I still don't have that formal education, but I'm always educating myself. What I have come to learn in all of that is that some of the biggest entrepreneurs, business leaders didn't come from that traditional background. And it's not to say not to do it. If you have the means and the ability and the time to be able to get that education, then yes, do it. What a great opportunity. But if you don't, it's not the end of the road. There's always ways to educate yourself. I'm Carly Zakin. I'm Danielle Weisberg. Welcome to Skim from the Couch. This podcast is where we go deep on career advice from women who have lived it, from the good stuff like hiring and growing a team to the rough stuff like negotiating your salary and giving or getting hard feedback. We started the skim from a couch, so what better place to talk it all out than where it began on a couch? Hey, everyone. Our guest today is Aisha Curry. She's a chef, television personality, entrepreneur, and cookbook author. Her latest cookbook, The Full Plate, is available in stores now. Aisha built her culinary empire one blog post and YouTube video at a time. And now she's one of the most recognized personalities in the food world. Aisha, thank you for joining us. Welcome to Skim from the Couch. Thank you for having me. I'm in a chair today, but that's okay. This is a very nice chair. You look very comfortable. For those of you who can't see her, she's in a very nice chair. So you are a pretty public person. A lot of your life is documented. And I want to start with what is something we cannot Google about you? What's a fun fact about you? Oh, goodness. A fun fact about me. Maybe you can Google this. Maybe you can't. I play, I can play the electric bass. Wow. I started in the seventh grade and I was in a jazz band for a little while. It's so funny. My side of the family is more on the creative arts side, like theater, drama, music, the whole thing. So I'm kind of well-versed in that side of life. So let's start there. Tell us about how you grew up. What was your childhood like? Yeah. So I grew up in Markham, Ontario, Canada, and I'm very proud of it. I love the fact that I'm like one of those rare dual citizens that gets to be both Canadian and American and wear it proudly. But I I grew up in Markham in a big Jamaican family. And Markham itself is like this giant cultural melting pot. So I was always very well versed and involved in like many different cultures. So I grew up like eating Jamaican food, having weekend parties with my Jamaican family. It's like all I know. But then on the flip side of things with like watch Bollywood with my friends, Bollywood movies with my friends and like learn Bollywood dances. And so I just grew up learning and knowing many different things, which I think plays into the way that I cook a lot as well. I lived in Canada until I was 14, 13, 14, and then moved to North Carolina to start high school. I had an uncle that lived there and we always loved to visit. And my mom was sick and tired of the cold being Jamaican. And so North Carolina was the next best thing. So we moved on over and yeah, I started high school there, which was a big culture shock just because two different worlds. I thought that life was going to be like, so all I'd really known about the United States was my summers visiting and then like the show Friday Night Lights. So I thought high school was going to be like Friday Night Lights, but it wasn't. But it is where I met. I met my my husband was actually like one of the first people I met moving to the States, which is weird. 
didn't date then. We were just friends and had the same circle of friends. And then many years later, started dating and the rest is history. And now I've lived in the Bay Area for 11, 12, 12 years. Crazy. Well, in researching for this interview, I was really struck by how much spirituality is at the core of who you are and how it's really guided you in your career decisions as well. We would love to just hear a little bit more about that perspective. So I think for me personally, my faith is everything. I feel like at a young age, I remember going to church and winning this contest at church to go to like this Christian summer camp for free. And it's like, I wouldn't have been able to go otherwise. And I was so excited. And somehow my parents let me go. I grew up like in a very strict household in high school. Like they wouldn't even let me go to the football games without them accompanying me (laughs) in high school. So they let me go, I guess, because it was Christian summer camp. I don't know. But I went and I just remember that's like really when my faith journey, like my personal faith journey started when I said like, hey, I'm going to take this on by myself. I feel it. I believe it wholeheartedly and kind of like separated my beliefs from my parents and started to have my own beliefs, right? Because, you know, you grow up with what you're taught with. And then at a certain point, you start to believe in what you start to believe in. And for me, I just felt it. And so prayer meditation, whatever you want to call it, became a a huge thing in my life. And then on the flip side, I believe that like prayer and and kind of manifesting the things that you hope for and believe in are are pretty much one and the same. And so I really believe in that. And I feel like it's like, uh, I don't want to say that. I feel like it's carried me through my life and really like leaning into what I believe in and what I want for myself has made a huge difference in my life and just I think faith from an accountability factor is a huge thing because I feel like I'm always aware to a certain extent of the decisions that I'm making and who I want to be in this world and how I want to present myself for my children and my family more so and just being there for them. My faith, I I think, helps me with that. We're also big believers in manifesting and came to it a little bit differently, more on the professional side as co-founders and co-CEOs. We would do an exercise every year that was basically like, where do we see ourselves at the end of that year? It's been really interesting to hear how many people manifest regularly. You were talking about how growing up, your parents would want to go with you to football games, and then you ended up going to LA by yourself at an early age. How did you convince them to let you do that? I I don't know. Honestly, like it's still a question, like my siblings my extended family, my friends, like it's still, it's a question that comes up so often. Like we don't understand how you guys were so strict, but then I'm 17 and they're like, bye, like you're in LA now. All of a sudden I have like three jobs and I'm paying rent and (laughs) I'm to become an actor. But you know what I think it comes down to? I think, I think they just believed in me and I guess I was a pretty freaking easy teenager. So I think they knew that I was going to be sort of a hermit and stay within my bounds and not go wild. (laughs) But yeah, I ventured out to LA 17 to pursue acting and it was great. I was slaying it. It was a great experience. And then I started to realize it was something that I've been working towards my whole life. So 
even when I lived in Canada, I was doing prints and commercials and was steadily working since I was like three years old. And so like while other kids were like doing extracurriculars, like soccer, whatever, I was going to auditions and like on sets and drinking coffee from like the age of, well, not drinking coffee from three. I started drinking coffee at like 11. I think what I love most about your story is that it feels like from an outside perspective, you came into your own professionally after you became a parent. I find it so fascinating that you really became the businesswoman that we all think of you as after that life change. And I want you to connect the dots for us and how that happened. Yeah, it's interesting. And it's, it's hard to explain too, because I feel like the narrative out there sometimes is like, oh, like a failed actress. But I don't believe that's the case. I like made a decision for myself and my family. I got married so young. I was 22. How old was I when I got married? 22. Did that seem young at the time? Or you guys were like, this is just right. We're going with it. We knew we were young, but it just seemed right. And we look back now and we're like, how was everybody okay? Same same kind of situation. Like, how was everybody okay with this? Like, we were 22 <laughs> and 23 years old. But nobody, like, not e- either side of our parents, they were just like, I guess they just knew. And we were so happy and we still are. And just like, I, it's always just felt right. I feel like we're one of the lucky ones and it's just always been right. But getting married so young and starting a family so young, I had to make a lot of decisions. And what I started to realize was I was becoming this woman at such a young age when other people would still potentially be in college or just figuring out who they want to be. I was getting married and having kids and it got to a point when I was like, I don't, I've spent my whole life since I was a little girl attempting to play these other people and auditioning to be these other people that like, I don't even know what I like or who I am because I've spent my whole life trying to figure out how to be somebody else. And so I had this long conversation with my mom and my mother-in-law and my husband. And I was like, I think I want to take some time and maybe try online school, maybe understand like the business side of things and take it from there and kind of take a breath for a second and figure out who I am and what I like. Cause it was like, it was a big thing, you guys. Like it was a very emotional decision. And I did it shortly after that, found out we were having a baby. Which wasn't in the plans quite yet. I, you know, it was one of those things that OB's like, oh, it takes about a year, like blah, 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 and get married. And three months later, it's like, dear God. I I thoroughly enjoyed being a mom, but I always had this feeling of like, I think that there's a double duty that I could be playing here. I was, I was like, I, I have hopes and dreams for myself and there's got to be a way to do both for me personally. And there's lots of women that stay home and that's great. But for me personally, I felt this weird bug, like this entrepreneurial bug, whether it was going to be acting or something else. And in order to find that balance, whatever that means, I said, okay, I'm going to start a blog just to have an outlet. And so I said, let me, let me give it a shot. We're out here on the West coast. All of our family is on the East Coast and in Canada. So what a way to connect with them and keep people updated. And 
cooking was something that I'd always done for my family since I was a little girl. And everybody was always from a family standpoint asking for these recipes. So I was like, oh, I'll just share it on there and see what happens. And then I started to notice, oh, people outside of my family are paying attention to this. And then it just started to grow and grow and grow. And it kind of became my career, like very naturally and organically. And my husband was like, hey, I think you can do this. And I was very scared and frightened and kind of gently dove in. And and now it's become a whole, it's become a whole career, which I love. It's one of those things. It's like, do something you enjoy doing and you'll never work a day in your life. I think one of the things we touch on a lot of the time in the show and we can relate to personally is it's one thing to have a lot of different interests and hobbies, but it's another to know this is going to be my side hustle. And then that side hustle is going to become my entrepreneurial leap. And even on this show, we've already learned that you're secretly really good at music and you're an actor and you clearly have a love of food, but all of these things could have led you down very different paths. How did you see food as an area of, and I hate to use this phrase, but I'm going to double click. I'm really upset. I just said that, but how do you double click on that? That's so funny. I've never heard that before. Again, it happened very organically. I think once, and this is just some people might gag at this and think it's ridiculous that I first didn't believe in myself, but sometimes that's just how it goes. And for me, it was my husband being like, hey, like you're actually really good at this. And my family being like, hey, I think you've got something here. That gave me the confidence to like step outside of my comfort zone and realize that I wasn't some crazy person, like just living on a dream. Does that make sense? So having their support and understanding and backing, I think really gave me the confidence to spread my wings and give it a try. An insecurity I have had in my own life is I feel really lucky that I have a great support system, but I feel like they will always validate what I take on as an interest and be like, you're really good at this. Versus like, oh, objectively, this is something I'm good at and I should keep doing it. Did you ever have a moment like that? How did you instill your own confidence? I feel like our family is very critical, like, and <laughs> but like in a good way. It's such so contradicting, but they're very honest. So if something sucks, they're going to tell you, either they're going to tell you or they're not going to say much. And so I kind of know how to gauge I even have moments to this day where like I will feel like I'll wake up and I'll be like, I just don't know if I'm going to do this anymore. And that's just the reality of being a human, you know, with the way social media is and just all the trauma in the world and the pandemic of it all. Sometimes it just feels too much to bear and I I just want to stay home and cuddle my babies. And then I just get a reminder from them of like the impact on the back end that's happening from this. And it kind of keeps you going. But for me, I think with them, they would tell me if something wasn't right. And whenever I'm ready to kind of step away and they intercept and they're like, no, you gotta, you, it's no, you're not gonna, you're not gonna do that. I kind of know I'm where I'm meant to be. And then you wake up the next morning and you're like, oh wait, it's not so bad. I think that everyone has had those moments, but especially in the past year, for sure. In doing prep for this, I read that you started taking business classes and I found it surprising just to hear that that was something you felt a little bit insecure, that you didn't have a higher degree. And I think anyone looking at you would think, hey, that's proof that you don't 
necessarily need it. How do you think about that now? So it's something, so I I had started those classes and then paused after I had Riley, my firstborn, and it was still, you know, starting businesses and getting into all of that. I've, I've had to learn a lot of hard lessons on how to scale and how to grow and what decisions to make and what not to make and how to be a boss and all of that. And I've had some epic fails and some really great triumphs and it's, all a learning process and it's an insecurity that I carried with me for a long time up until recently. So I still don't have that formal education, but I'm always educating myself. And I think that that's where the difference lies is there are ways to continuously educate yourself. And so for me, getting rid of that insecurity is I try to find courses here and there that can help me with my business acumen. And I take entrepreneur courses and I'm always actively trying to find ways to educate myself to combat that insecurity that I have. And what I have come to learn though in all of that is that some of the biggest entrepreneurs, business leaders didn't come from that traditional background. And it's not to say not to do it. If you if you have the means and the ability and the time to be able to get that education, then yes, do it. What a great opportunity. But if you don't, it's not the end of the road. There's always ways to educate yourself, even if you're doing it on your own. What do you feel like you are best at in business and running your own business? Truthfully, I think in business, I'm best at being collaborative, I I don't think I'm ever too loud or too opinionated. And I think it goes a long way. I love having an environment where everybody that I work with, we're kind of leveled on an even playing field. Everybody's voice is always heard. And I feel like you accomplish a lot more that way. So I never come in too hot, never too cold. And I try and make myself available to always listen to everybody's ideas. And it feels more like we're building something together rather than this is mine. You know what I mean? And it just feels so much more valuable that way. Obviously, you and your husband are both doing a lot. How do you guys support each other or push each other to keep doing more? What we've come to find is that it, it, it is a very interesting environment here at our house. And oftentimes we just have to look at each other and laugh. I mean, we're 32 and 33, so we're we're young with these grown children. It almost feels like there's like a time gap somewhere along the way. But I think for us, scheduling is a huge, huge, huge piece of the puzzle for us that kind of makes things work. And obviously for him, basketball comes first because it kind of is what, allows us to do everything else that we're doing. That's just the honest truth of the situation. And then for me, being a mom comes first and then everything else kind of falls in between. So for me, especially now, I mean, everybody can relate. We're at home. The kids are home too. So it's crazy. I'm shocked that like one of them hasn't run in here while I'm on this Zoom. But the days feel chaotic. Every day feels chaotic. Like nothing's ever calm and relaxed. Like it doesn't exist. 
You know, it's interesting. One of the many things that's been so weird about this year is how home has become work and work has become home. And I'm really curious how that has been for you guys. And also, do you allow each other to be in the other's lane? Do you let him get involved in your business? And do you weigh in as he's making decisions with his own career? So we always use each other as a sounding board, but we kind of keep our businesses separate other than like consulting each other on like, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? The day-to-day nature of business, we kind of have our own two things going on, which is great. And then we come together in the middle when it comes to our nonprofit, Eat, Learn, Play. And I think to answer your other question, that's kind of where we lean into each other and like, we could be doing more. We could be doing more because we've been so blessed personally in our lives that we just feel an obligation to give back to our community. And so that's very important to us. And when everything else fades, it's really exciting to us that Eat, Learn, Play will still be there to help the community. That's our that's our whole end goal is to just be able to lean into that when all is said and done. And so that's where I think we always are pushing each other to do more. But for us, the home work balance, it's so funny because before the pandemic hit, my biggest quarrel was like, oh, these cell phones, everybody's accessible all the time. And how do we have this work-life balance and blah, blah, blah. And now it's like, okay, I'll show you what life could look like. And now it's like, no, work is home and home is work. And this too shall pass, I think is the mentality that we have. And we understand that everything we're doing is for good and it's impactful. And as long as it check marks those boxes, we feel okay. So for us, I think we find our balance in knowing that as long as our kids are okay and and we're being great parents and we're leaning into that. And as long as at the end of the day, him and I are coming together and our communication skills are at a hundred, then everything else is okay. I have a seven month old and he's now starting to get into solids. And as someone who has talked about parenting and obviously loves cooking, any advice? Yes, absolutely. Gosh, solids are like such an exciting time for me. At one of my favorite experiences, I think as a mom, like each time with the new baby, it's just like, it's so fun. Make sure you record and take pictures of everything. But for me, what I always did when I would introduce a new fruit or vegetable or grain, whatever, I would always incorporate some sort of spice or flavor to that. So I never keep it bland. Maybe maybe the first, like the first little bite of avocado short. But then after that, I feel like it's game time. So like <laughs> when, <laughs> when I would do apples, it wouldn't just be apples. I would add a little bit of cinnamon to the apples, a little bit of nutmeg. When I would do squash or pumpkin, I would add in like Chinese five spice. I feel like don't be afraid to add in like herbs and spices, thyme. Thyme is really good in squash and pumpkin. Don't be afraid to do that. And what I feel like is allow them to have broader palates once those true solid foods that we eat are introduced. Kids will be kids, so they'll have their days where they're just not feeling it. But for the most part, I feel like they're always open to try, at least trying new things. Where do you want to take your business? For me right now, honestly, I feel like the plate is full. 
no pun intended is the name of my cookbook. <laughs> Shameless plug. So for me right now, it's really leaning into what we've spent the past two-ish years building with Sweet July and Eat, Learn, Play and really leaning into all of those things to make sure that I'm putting the best product out there possible and the best content and and just leaning into what I currently have and making sure we're staying ahead of the trends. That's really what's most important for me when it comes to my business. Okay, let's move into our last round, the lightning round. Quick questions, quick answers. Are you a morning person or a night owl? Night owl. What's your favorite quick dinner to make? Anything on a sheet pan. So sheet pan salmon. What is the worst professional mistake you've made? Being too trusting. What is Steph's favorite meal? Chicken parm. So basic. Who is the stricter parent? He is. I'm a pushover. What is a sport that you can beat your husband in? Track. Good for you. I'm impressed. What's your shameless plug? The full play of my cookbook. It came out <laughs> in September. It's amazing. It's a uh, flavor-filled, easy recipes for people with no time and a lot to do, which I feel like is everybody. Aisha, congratulations on everything and thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks for hanging out with us. Join us next week for another episode of Skim from the Couch. And if you can't wait until then, subscribe to our daily email newsletter that gives you all the important news and information you need to start your day. Sign up at theskim.com. That's the S-K-I-M-M dot com. Two M's for a little something extra. 